Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 40 through 42. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous, and whoever gives even a cup of cold water to the one of these little ones in the name of a disciple. Truly, I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Tamara, left side. Yes, I'm trying to remember left side as opposed to right side. Oh, hello everyone. Welcome to the season of Pentecost, the season of Pentecost, and the first of three sermon series that we are doing here in the season of Pentecost. This one is known as the Academy, learning to answer the call. That's because that's what this season is. The season of Pentecost, and it will, it will actually stretch all the way from now all the way to Advent. The intention is that the people of God would learn, we would be equipped and resourced to actually follow and answer this call that we have. And what is this call that we have? Well, much like the Justice League, it is to save the world. Amen. Now, we are doing a a super summer theme all summer, and so this sermon series theme is trying to tap into that. These are two superhero groups, and the age-old story of superhero group movies goes something like this. There is something threatening the entire planet. Thankfully, there is this gathering of super-powered folks, but it always starts poorly because they don't know how to work together. Remember, this is how all of these movies go. But once they finally learn to work together, then they can finally salvage the world. That's how all of these go. And even one of the posters I found said that. You can't save the world alone. Amen, Batman. Right? That kind of thing. And so we are to be understood as a gathering of superheroic people. Mm, Probably more like a gathering of chronically normal people. Anybody fit that description? chronically normal, inescapably human, but this also is true. People who are resourced with the resources that animated Jesus himself. I mean, that's what Jesus said, right? He breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit, and then goes on to call them to this huge task. How huge, John, as big as what it was that Jesus was and is undertaking himself. Himself. Yeah, I I want us to make sure that we understand what it is that we are called to. Here's what we're called to, everything that Jesus was called to. Feel better? That change anybody's Monday? (laughs) What is it that we are called to as the body of Christ? We are called to 
Whatever it is that we understand Christ to be called to. Well, we better, we better have a superpower. Well, we might. Because, again, we are gifted. We are resourced. We are infilled with the wind, the breath, and the spirit, the same one that animates Christ. Well, what does that allow us to do? Well, I mean, if you listen to Jesus, Jesus actually said stuff like, well, there will, be, there will come a time when you will do even better things, said Jesus, that I still find that hard to believe, but that you, as the body, will do better things than I will do. I assume that means because there's so many of us, potentially, in so many different places, in so many different times. He said, because I'm going to the Father. Yeah, but okay, then the superpower to do what? To be hospitable is one. Does everybody understand that everything that we do in a worship service, in a moment of liturgy, everything should be understood as rehearsal and practice? We do things in here in order to have rehearsal and practice so that we can do these things out there. Y'all, even the meet and the greet, sometimes known as the passing of the peace. That is a moment, and we are careful to tell everybody, and Kristen did it beautifully today, we actually have a, a something of a script that we press into people's hands. Hey, if you're going to do the congregational greeting, we'd like for you to at least say this somewhere in there. You, church, are putting skin and flesh on the welcome and the hospitality of God. And we do that, yes, so that you can feel welcomed as you come to the doors, and I do want you somehow to receive that you have been received by the God of the universe when somebody comes up and grabs you and hugs you. I, I hope that Grace, Dr. Green, is mediated through warm bodies. Heard that a lot. I hope that you sense that welcome and that hospitality in that moment of meet and greet. But there's another time that we practice hospitality, and we'll get to that later on. Y'all, hospitality probably should be our superpower. Hospitality. Now, in the church world, that word hospitality causes quite a stir. Causes quite a stir because there are people who would say, no, no, no. You demonstrate your Christianity by excluding the right people. That's out there. Does everybody know that that's out there? We would say you demonstrate your Christianity by including all the people. Oh, that was pretty good. I didn't even have to ask for that one. Kelly hates it when I ask for amen. She thinks I'm becoming, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was hurtful. Okay. <laughs> the context of, a, of the verses that we're going to look at today, we're still in what I would call uh, the fire them up speech that Jesus delivers to the apostles. And the apostles in this moment means the people sent. Jesus is preparing them to go with this message. They go something like this. The kingdom has come near. The kingdom has come near. And the kingdom in coming near changes 
everything. God has done what God needs to do to bring restoration and reconciliation and all of those good things to bear on the planet, to finish everything. Jesus is saying, all of that has begun in me, and go announce to the insiders, to the people of Israel, the people who should know better, the original people of God, go and announce to those people that all that they have ached for and all that they have hoped for, all that they have prayed for, all that they have sung about, all of it is coming to fruition right now. Go and announce it to them. Tell them that the God of all hospitality is ready to host them to make them part of the mission whereby we would host everyone else. What he is preparing the disciples for here, y'all, it's a reform movement. Because way back when, I'm not saying anything about right now, unless I am. Way back when, membership in the people of God had come to mean something different, something else. Membership in the people of God had come to mean, no, we must exclude all of the people and all of the stuff, all of the circumstances that would otherwise leave us somehow imperfect, soiled, damaged somehow, and we will maintain our purity via exclusion. Jesus sends the apostles to say, it's a new day. It's a new day where the God of all hope and hospitality makes room. So go say to those people who were originally called, who have made faith into something other than it was meant to be, go say to them, no, something is different. This Jesus, this kingdom has come near. Everything is different. All the things that we have hoped for is coming to fruition. Everything is coming to fruition. We must participate now in a different sort of way. And Jesus told them, Jesus told them <laughs> that they were, the, though they were traveling with this message of hospitality, he told them that the insiders at times would reject it. He told them, oh, this is going to be difficult, dangerous mission and there'll be times when you'll not only be rejected, but you'll be kicked out. Even use the language of, oh, this is tough. If they are going to ultimately reject you in this message, they're ultimately rejecting me. So shake the dust off your feet as you leave. The reform movement, serious. It is a bad thing for the people of God to turn their back on the God of all hospitality. Now can I get an amen? Sorry, Kelly. It is a bad thing when the people of God, especially for religious reasons, exclude and turn their backs on the God of all hospitality. Listen, the movement of God, the movement of the kingdom, Yes, I think it's more than sheer hospitality. I would, I would use words like restoration, reconciliation, maybe even reconstruction. But friends, it is never less than hospitality. It, it, it perhaps is more, but hear this. It is never less than risky hospitality. And if it's ever less than embodied welcome and risky hospitality, then you haven't even started the kingdom movement. So much of what we do has to do with hospitality. Hospitality that we receive, hospitality that we would give. Like, like last week, 
This is just last week. Look at that fine young couple who considers this to be their church home, their sending home. This is Brian and Julie Woolery. They are missionaries in Japan. We hosted them last week. Make sense? They experienced hospitality from us, but a hospitality that started with God last week. And by the way, not for nothing, but what I heard from Brian and Julie, Julie last week tells me that they enjoy a ministry of hospitality. I had somebody ask me this week, hey, do you still believe in missionary stuff? Because sometimes it's just exported American something or other, religiosity. I, I think sometimes that's true, sadly. But man, what I heard from them was the embodiment of Christian hospitality. When you embody Christian hospitality, even the interruptions to your schedules become moments for kingdom advancement. They said, when we lay down what we think we know and want and allow ourselves to be interrupted and inconvenienced, God can do something beautiful. It's pretty good, isn't it? Hospitality moves the kingdom forward every single time. Hospitality, hospitality, welcome and hospitality. But the powers of hospitality are most desperately needed when the message and the kingdom itself faces resistance. Oh, friends, I hope you're hearing this. Does everybody know, we've talked about this before, that there is a difference between unity and uniformity? Can we go over it one more time? Uniformity happens when we're all alike. We kind of look alike. We for sure think alike. We vote alike, right? Uniformity happens when there is not disagreement. We are uniform. That is not the dream of God for creation. Uniformity is not what God aches for us. Unity. Unity is what God aches for us. In other words, maybe the most important time to show hospitality for the other Perhaps it's when the other has a hard time believing or agreeing with you. These are terrible words that I'm about to read to you that Jesus said. Everybody ready for this? Seatbelts, everybody. Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. What? <laughs> I've not come to bring peace but a sword. It gets worse. Listen to this. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. This is in that same speech. I mean, we're not gotten to our preaching text just yet. These are the verses just before, immediately before. Now, we know how to read these words, at least we should. Does everybody realize that Jesus practiced nonviolence? If, if you don't know that, I need to speak with you. Jesus practiced nonviolence. And, and Jesus did also practice the fine art of storytelling with dramatic imagery and analogies. And friends, that's what's happening here. Jesus did not want you to hate your family members. 
Jesus did not want you to take a sword to your family members. And all God's people said, thank you. <laughs> I needed that amen more than you knew. But Jesus is saying, remember, these are people who are sent to the people of God who have made faith into something it wasn't meant to be. Jesus is saying, I am not here and I am not sending you all out to bless that status quo. I'm sending you out with a message of hope and grace and hospitality. And if that message of grace and hope and hospitality comes up against resistance, even resistance in your own household, Jesus says, I need you to love me enough and love them enough not to go ahead and just bless the status quo. Jesus didn't come to bless bad faith. Jesus didn't come to bless the already existent powers and principalities, the practices and the processes as they are, inside and outside of the people of faith. Jesus is not merely therapeutic. <laughs> this is going to be hurtful. I'm sorry, ahead of time. Jesus is not merely therapeutic, rubbing your tired shoulders while leaving the systems that hurt and damage and exploit unchallenged or untouched. Now, Jesus is very concerned about your tired shoulders, by the way. And Jesus does seek to draw close to you in your pain and in your exhaustion. This is why we do lament. But beyond that, this Jesus, remember, we're spending a whole year chasing Jesus around to have some better understanding of who this Jesus is as we invoke that name so regularly. Here's something you need to remember. Jesus is a revolutionary and is leading a particular kind of revolution, the kind that turns things upside down and inside out and then you and I are called to his side to partner in the work of turning things inside out and upside down. And we are called as authorized and empowered ambassadors in this revolutionary ministry that is not less than hospitality. Hospitality. So, Whenever you go into a home and they receive you and welcome you and they host you, Jesus says, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, says Jesus. And then whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, God the Father. I'm not sure that we fully drink in all that this means. I hope that you and I, as we take our places within the mission of God and the announcement of the kingdom, I hope we appreciate all that we have, all that is made available to us, the empowering, authorizing companionship of God. The person or people who welcome us are welcoming none other than Jesus and God the Father. And when we show up, hear this, when we show up, God and Christ, uh, Christ and God the Father come with us, welcoming us, welcomes God and moves the kingdom forward as you work within the realm of hospitality. And John, can we talk about that? What do you mean? Do you mean like the host team on Sunday mornings? Well, yes. I do want you to be on the host team on Sunday mornings. See Kaylee Vaughn when she gets back. But I also mean, I also mean that you and I are meant to understand ourselves at least a little bit like these apostles would have understood themselves as people sent. As people sent with a particular message. 
We are all, at some level, itinerant evangelists, or at least God dreams for us to be. Now, even if you're just going next door, we talked about this last week too, maybe God will call you to that life of missions that takes you across the globe to another part of the world. Maybe it's just on a short-term basis, Chris. You and I are going here in a few weeks. But sometimes God calls missionaries to go next door with this message of hope, hospitality, reconciliation, restoration. You don't think that all the Christian work is just supposed to be left up to the people who are paid to preach, do you? Because I'm tired as it is. <laughs> no, it's, it's us as the people of God who are called to the world. Where should I go? As God's traveling itinerant evangelist, missionary, where should you go? You should go all the places that you go. All the places that you go, you should understand, oh, we've talked about this forever too, right? You should understand yourself first as a Christian <laughs> and then as an educator, a physician, a person in business, an attorney. Go first as a missionary, second as all that other stuff. Now, someone welcomes you, welcomes Jesus, that also welcomes God the Father who sins, but watch this change too. And whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Your ministry of hospitality has long-term generational repercussions. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And watch this, verse 42, and whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in my name in the name of the disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. So not only are you to travel in, in search of a, a welcome, <laughs> hospitality that becomes a part of the revolutionary effort, you too recognize that you're supposed to go and host even the least of these because in your hospitality of the least of these, you too are moving the kingdom forward. The hope of Christ is that we all in one way or another would be parts of this revolutionary process as itinerant evangelists and missionaries. Hospitality is the oil in the machine. The superpower of hospitality, you and I are called to practice it, but in practicing it, please keep in mind that you are tapping into something that's out there already. It didn't start with you and me. We say it and practice it all the time around here. During that past the peace time, you're putting skin and flesh on the welcome and hospitality of God. You are furthering and communicating and embodying the powerful presence of God, and it makes a difference. But then later on today, we will come around this table, and in a moment of Eucharist, we are hosted each week. Around this table, hosted and granted another helping of the grace and the welcome and the hospitality of God in the hopes that we might someday become the host, the bread taken, blessed, broken, given. I, I try to have some fun with it. Some people say, man, Pastor, we, we have communion a lot around here, like weekly. I think it's in the Bible. I'm only supposed to have it four times a year. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not in the Bible. 
We have it each week, and here's at least one of the reasons. I think, I think it's a good thing to be regularly reminded that this revolutionary mission effort, this revolutionary mission of hosting and hospitality and welcome and grace and reconciliation doesn't start with us. It starts with the God who loves us. And so each week, we are hosted in the hopes that we can host. And I'll say to you, man, I hope you eat so much of this bread, so much of this bread, that you start to think that you're becoming a piece of bread. In some traditions, do you know what they call the bread? Do you know what they call the bread in some traditions? The bread that later on you and I will receive. You know what they call the bread? The host. In other words, <laughs> the hosts hosts you in the hopes that you will become the host that hosts someone else. I worked very hard on that, okay? So I'm going to go back over it again. <laughs> the hard dismount right there, okay? <laughs> Here it comes. Ready? So the hosts host each one of us each week in the hopes that over a period of time we would be shaped to be the host that hosts someone else and friends. That's how the kingdom moves. This whole process is shot through with hospitality. It just is. Okay, Pastor, then why are we closing the building? Well, that's an excellent question. I'm glad you asked. If you are visiting with us today, we are going to close the building. After church today, we're going to close the building until August. Now, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, we are still gathering for worship on Sunday mornings. We're not talking about anything that we would do on Sunday mornings around here. But everything else, because we want to be a good steward of the resources you all make available to us, we look back on our own calendar and see that, man, these hottest weeks of the year, we just hemorrhage resources, hemorrhage resources. And so in the hopes that we don't have to replace a $15,000 unit, in the hopes that we can draw down our uh, energy usage, we're, we're going to close the building, but we're not closing the church. Does everybody understand this? Your staff understands that this is not vacation. They understand Everybody's going to put in the same amount of hours. In fact, I'm hoping that more hospitality happens, not less. I mean, we are going to, Jason's going to help us organize this effort. This is a great idea that he had this week. What if the staff ends up at a particular coffee shop or coffee shops around the, the area so that we can more often and have more availability to have discussions over coffee? Everybody knows, God knows discussions are better over coffee. Amen, yeah. I'm hoping that on Wednesday nights, as our teens are off somewhere, probably swimming, as our college students are off somewhere, probably swimming, as our kids are off somewhere doing something, I don't know what, Lisa's got some big things in store. I'm hoping that there are gatherings in homes. I'm hoping that your homes have air conditioning and all God's people said. Around tables, practicing the kind of hospitality that is the oil in the machine. Listen, there is some chance that we get healthier over these weeks.
There's some chance that some of you would say, oh, I, I, I think our home is a great, we've already been invited as a staff <laughs> to go and have staff meeting somewhere else in, in, a, in a gift of hospitality. I'm hoping that over these next few weeks, you become better acquainted with the reality of our calling to hospitality. Y'all, risk it. Make time, make space. Something else that will not close over these weeks is the Friday Resource Hub. And some of you know about this, some of you don't. The, on Fridays, we have uh, the Hope Boxes open. Uh, Mike Laughlin and Jaden Oliver operate this thing. It's the Hope Box, but it's also Trinity Legal. We have, we're sort of a branch office for DHS. And what it is, it's, it's sort of an organized way of making cups of cold water available to the people who need it the most. That will not, that will not close. Now, if you were to come and volunteer, and Vicki knows this because she's there all the time volunteering. If you were to come and volunteer, it's inevitable that you're going to meet somebody named, well, we call her Miss Eunice. Miss Eunice comes each and every week. The first time we saw her, she was one in desperate need of a cup of cold water. And she came often enough that she regularly received this hospitality. Everybody seeing this? this? This hospitality, this hospitality moment. She received it, and she received it so regularly that she started to appreciate the meaning of the whole moment. And now she is a regular weekly volunteer. And she and I have the same exchange every Friday, every Friday. And maybe she does with everybody. I'll say, Miss Eunice, how are you doing? She goes, I'm doing well, Pastor. And then she'll hug me and she'll look up at me and she'll say, we made it another week, didn't we? We sure did, Eunice. Now, in Eunice's eyes, you know how you make it another week? Cup of cold water. Moments of hospitality that make life and hope and grace tangible, meaningful, possible. Be Eunice. In a world full of people who aren't Eunice, be a Eunice. <laughs> Someone who recognizes the beauty and the glory of hospitality received Someone who recognizes the power of hospitality given. I don't know about you, but I need another reminder of that resource made available to me. So if you're helping us, would you please come and set this table for us? And Heavenly Father, as they're coming, I would ask that you would bless these moments. I'm asking, God, that you would bless these elements, bread and cup, but somehow in your hands, it's something more. Somehow, God, in your hands, this, this moment that I hope has not become mundane for us, this, this moment that we celebrate on a weekly basis, we recognize that bread and cup become symbols of your very presence, your hosting, hospitable, welcoming presence. And God, as you bless these elements, would you make us aware of what's happening here? We, we may not perceive it each week, 
But would you remind us that somehow as we participate that we are being shaped, sometimes without our knowledge and sometimes without our permission, but somehow as we are hosted by you each week, when we recognize how it is that you have risked hospitality and welcome where each of us is concerned, help us to see that in receiving this hospitality, we are being shaped to be the host ourselves. So may we find ourselves deeply, deeply grateful and at the very same time, the very same time, may we have an eye out for the next person who may need some hosting. In a moment, church, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, to exit your pew to your left, and to come forward with your hands cupped to receive these gifts of grace. As you approach someone holding a plate of bread, that person's going to take a piece of bread, press it into your hands, and say, this is the body of Christ, the host, broken for you. Take that piece of bread, dip it into the cup. Right here will be my friend Brent, who will say to you as you dip it into the cup, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you, and then take and eat. And then, if you would, find a place to pray. Now, if you come to one of these side-padded altars, we will assume that you are there for a prayer for healing. It might be that you need physical healing, mental, spiritual, emotional, familial, relational healing. And if you need that prayer for healing, someone will meet you there, anoint you with oil. I think over here will be Ken, and over here will be Pastor Jim. We will pray that prayer with you, a prayer for healing. If you come to one of these mourner's benches up front, we're not going to demand to know why you're here. We don't need to know why you're here. We just need you to know that you're not here alone. And so somebody, probably me, will come by and touch you on the back, the neck, the shoulder, just to make sure that you recognize that you're not alone. And sure enough, you can circle right back to your chair, to your pew, and you can pray there. I would encourage you, if you can get up here, to make a trip to this bowl of water meant to remind you of the moment that you were included in this giant creation-wide mission, the moment of your baptism. If you need that reminder that you are the called people of God, the resourced people of God, that encouragement and reminder can be found right here in this bowl of water. Now, who's eligible? It's a good question. Here are a couple things I would say. All are invited, none are compelled. If you don't want to participate, you're not, you don't have to participate, but all are invited. Especially if you recognize your need for grace. If you recognize your need for grace, and by the way, I do, that's enough to qualify you for participation at this table. If you recognize your need for grace, you will always be welcome here. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body, the host, broken for you. And every time you eat of it and are hosted, remember me. In the same way, he took the cup. He held it up before them and said, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you drink of it, including today, Remember me. And now all across the sanctuary, if you would, stand to your feet, exit your pews to the left, and come forward with your hands cupped to receive this grace, this grace meant to resource and encourage 
and nurture the people of God.